Jesus told his disciples a parable about the necessity for them to pray always without becoming weary. He said, there was a judge in a certain town who neither feared God nor respected any human being. And a widow in that town used to come to him and say, render a just decision for me against my adversary. For a long time, the judge was unwilling But eventually he thought, while it is true that I neither fear God nor respect any human being, because this widow keeps bothering me, I shall deliver a just decision for her, lest she finally come and strike me. The Lord said, pay attention to what the dishonest judge says. Will not God then secure the rights of his chosen ones who call out to him day and night? Will he be slow to answer them? I tell you, he will see to it that justice is done for them speedily. But when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. There's an obvious theme running through today's readings, and that is being persistent in our prayer. But there are times when we have a weekend like this where it seems like the theme is already right there in front of our face. It reminds me of a homily from my youth. Our associate pastor was describing describing how determining the meaning of sacred scripture is like peeling an onion. You peel back the first layer, there's another layer. You peel that back and again. In other words, if sacred scripture is the living word of God, then it means there is many meanings towards any part of it. So I thought we would go ahead and delve a little deeper than that obvious theme of persistence in prayer. So we begin with that first reading. So Amalek has has gathered his army and is going to attack the Israelites. And so the Israelites, of course, much fewer in number, definitely not as experienced, and hopelessly outnumbered. And so Moses climbs a hill that's going to overlook the battlefield. And he brings the staff. You know the one I'm talking about, the one that he used to perform so many of those signs before Pharaoh, most especially the sign of tapping the staff on the surface of the Red Sea so that it departed, allowing allowing God's chosen people to escape Pharaoh's army. So he brings that staff with him, and he holds that staff in the Aaron's position. It's a position that you see me as I deliver prayer during Mass. I've already done it the first time for the opening reading. And so while his hands are lifted in prayer, Israel gets the better of the fight. 
he is, they are actually overwhelming Amalek and his forces. But then when Moses starts getting tired and his hands droop to his side, all of a sudden the tide of the battle has turned and Amalek and his forces seem to be getting the better of Israel. Moses had brought a couple of companions with him, Aaron and Hur, and they both moved a rock over so Moses could be seated. And then they held each arm up so that Moses could continue that posture of prayer. And in doing so, the battle decisively turned in Israel's favor and they defeated their enemies that day. We then have this very odd parable. Jesus describes a judge who is dishonest, who did not care about God and had no respect for any other human being. He is approached by a widow. Now a widow in their culture has no voice. In fact, any women in that culture would have had their voice only through their spouse. But this widow, by definition, whose spouse had died, had no voice, no stature in that community. But that doesn't stop her from going to this judge and arguing in front of him, hoping that he will find a decision in her favor. Now, it's important for us to remember, we're not talking about arguments in a courtroom setting. We're not even talking about it being in a private residence. This is a very public display. The judge is someone who people of that village will go to to mediate disputes. And they respect him, so they respect his judgments. This widow has continued to come back time and time again to the judge, asking for him to argue or to find in her favor. She is doing this publicly. Probably the judge is taking his seat either in the public square or at the gates leading into this village. People notice what's going on. And every time that widow comes, the esteem that the people of that village hold of that judge gets smaller and smaller threatening his honor, threatening his position in that community. And it is because of that group pressure that the judge finally decides to accede to the widow's demands and found in her favor. And then in our second reading from Paul's second letter to Timothy, Timothy is being confirmed by Paul as basically the overseer of the church in Ephesus. We, of course, call that position nowadays a bishop. If we read closely Paul's words, from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures. We can surmise that Timothy is much younger than Paul and perhaps represents the next generation to lead the church as the apostles one by one are executed for their faith. Now there is a new generation of leaders of the church to take over and continue. 
he urges persistence to Timothy in his role as leader for the good of the people. As Timothy exercises his bishop or his position as bishop or overseer, he is to do so for the good of that specific church, that local church in Ephesus. And it is all redounds to the good of that faith community. So what is this deeper message that I referred to at the beginning? I believe the message is that we need to pray together as a faith community. After all, it was only when Moses prayed together with his companions who supported him in prayer that the battle was won. It was only the work together of that village that forced that judge to render a faithful decision to the widow. We have been incorporated into the body of Christ, the church, at our baptism. And just as my foot cannot go off on its own, but rather works most effectively when in concert with the rest of my body, so it is with our faith community. Our liturgy reminds us of this important truth. We have gathered together first to celebrate the liturgy of the word. And once we have listened to God's living word proclaimed in sacred scripture and broken open by the homilist, we then respond by praying together the prayer of the faithful, or more commonly referred to as the petitions. As noted in the general instruction of the Roman Missal, the people respond in some sense to the word of God, which they have received in faith, and exercising the office of their baptismal priesthood, offers prayers to God for the salvation of all. And so what that is saying is, is that we have been encouraged, we have been strengthened, we have been nurtured by listening to the word of God, and now we want to do something. And that something is to join together as a community in prayer, praying to God for the needs of the church, for public authorities, the salvation of the whole world for those burdened by any kind of difficulty, and of course, for our local community. These are all ways that we respond to what we just heard in sacred scripture. We want to reach out to others by lifting them up in prayer. Many of you have experienced people asking you to pray, maybe for someone who is sick, for an unemployed person to find a job, for a loved one who has died. I hope you take serious that request and offer up prayer for that intention. But we also have in our parish another way to lift up intentions in prayer. It is called our prayer line. At least once a week, an email is sent with a listing of people and situations for us to lift up in prayer. It also includes those who are expecting a child to pray for safe delivery. People contact the coordinators of this ministry to place needs on the prayer line. It's a powerful method for us to hold each other in prayer together as a community. 
Our bulletin has the contact information for our coordinators, either to request a prayer or an intention, or to be added to that prayer line email. I encourage you, if you have never experienced this ministry, to contact our coordinators and give them your email address so that you may join together with this local community in lifting up people in prayer. My dear friends, Jesus' great desire for us that we be one. That is why we call what we are incorporated into the body of Christ the church. And so in that desire, he wants, when he returns, he wants to find us together and praying together as members of his body, the church on earth. In our prayer, we of course are joined as well with his body of Christ that's already reached the heavenly gates, looking forward to the day that we will join them as well.